What's up, y'all? It's Ryan. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to say thank you for taking your time to listen to yet another week of the Put It in the Group Chat podcast. This week, we get into pretty much everything that you could think of. We touch on John Wall being traded to the Houston Rockets. We also talk about the NFL, um, the Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist list that just came out, the Steelers beating the Ravens to head to 11-0. Gerald talks a little bit about his Patriots and how he's having a little bit of a trust issue with them this this season, and I, I truly can't blame him. But I'm going to shut up unless you get to the episode. So as I said before, thank you yet again for tuning in for another week of the Put in the Group Chat podcast, and I'll catch you in the first break. Peace. December 4th, um, 2020. Um, we're about 27 days or about four weeks from the new year. Um, this is episode eight of the Put in the Group Chat podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm here with Gerald and James. And yeah, it's, it's another week, another lot going on in sports. Um, a lot going on just in the world. Um, I guess I wanted to start here. Uh, I was watching ESPN, I want to say Tuesday, and there was a headline that said, LSU makes history. And I was like, okay, what did LSU do? Did they get a top recruiting class? What's this, that, and so forth? And it was like, no, they have the largest point spread for a defending national championship defending national champion. They are 29-point underdogs mm. against Alabama. Um, and that got me thinking, like, what is – you don't have to make it personal, but, like, what is the worst blowout that you have either been a part of or witnessed? I, I mean – Statistically, it might not show it, but for me, the worst witness blowout of all time has got to be Super Bowl 40, I believe 48. Why we got to all stuff? Why we got to uh, I mean, okay, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Now, again, I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a New England fan, so I, I can understand how this might feel like, you know, resentment, but I'm just going to be real here. You can't give me no Hall of Fame type season and then get just bounced. Like, from snap one, safety, that game was over <laughs> the entire time. So that, for me, I, that was just the worst with the stage and how good he did until then. I, that's never going to go out of my mind. <laughs> that is a bad matchup, though. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the Chiefs got 
got got a got a can of can of beat him down one time. I don't remember. I can't remember which one, but I feel like I mean there's a Ravens playoff game where they just got blown out um after Jamal Charles scored a touchdown. But other than that, I don't really I don't really remember too many too many blowouts like that. Like the Chiefs have been bad, like real bad, but it's always been like I I mean Maybe we just turn the TV off at that point. But I've been to some baseball games. Though. I know people don't like baseball. But I've been to some baseball games where it's like, uh, this is over after the first inning. Like, And that sucks because you didn't pay to go to the baseball game. But, you know, but I don't know. You know, you know, real big blowouts I mean, I've been a part of. For me, it's usually they usually come back to youth football just because youth way youth football is set up. Once you fall behind, you ain't coming back. Like there's no coming back. And like I remember, I want to say I was my first year of football. We went zero and eight, and. We we lost to us. There was a team, um, Watchung Hills, either Watchung Hills or Bridgewater Raritan. I don't remember, um, but they went to the, like the Disney Super Bowl that you see. They show on I guess Christmas every year, the Pop Warner Super Bowl. Um, they beat us. I want to say seventy-two to nothing. Because like, for whatever reason, like in ba- youth baseball, they have like mercy rules, and football they didn't have that. I have no idea. I feel like it should have been there. Um, it got to be some type of hell, too, because in youth football, you ain't got no scoreboard. You can't even see the clock. You just you just running, running. Oh, we we until, knew how we were down. Like, there was no, there was uh, no yeah. mistake in that. We, we could have been eight. We knew we knew what it was. Um, That's what I'm saying. But you got to run until the ref called the game. Like, you can't even see what – you know what I'm saying? You can't even see whether or not, you know, you can call the game or not. But I remember it. So next year we went eight and one. And I remember we had a scrimmage. It wasn't even a real game. We won, I want to say. They said it was 62 to nothing. But I feel like we won by more. It was either that or like every year in high school we had um, we had our rival. So I went to a boarding school called Choate. If you ever watched the show Power, that is the school that they sent Tyreek off to. Um, I want to one of the second to last season of last season, but they we play a school every year um, called Deerfield. That's our rival. We have Deerfield Day, and then we also have like what we call Deerfield Day Part Two, which is like Deerfield Day is when we play all the all of our fall sports. So from freshman soccer to varsity football, everything gets played on the same day. And like people, the whole school comes in, the opposing school comes in, it's this big thing. Deerfield Day Part Two is when we play the JV boys basketball team and then the two varsity basketball teams play on the same night, back to back to back. And I remember we were being assholes because we won, I wanna say each one of those games by 20 points and we stormed the court after every game 
for no apparent reason. And the wor thing, worst part about it was we were on the road. So we stormed somebody else's court. And... In <laughs> <laughs> a game we were supposed to win. So that, that for me probably tops it. But I just felt, I felt bad. Like, I, I thought they had canceled this game initially. But I guess they just rescheduled it. I feel bad for them players, man. You you go from being undefeated to <laughs> it's, it's tough. Mm -mm. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, got some. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, that's that's some type of disrespect there. Storm in somebody else's court, I feel now looking back on that it's kinda of wild. But um but I kinda wanted to we, we kinda talked about this before I wanna say yesterday. Um but I kinda wanted to do a little warm up um and get y'all's thoughts on something. Um so the I wanna say this week the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinals came out. List came out. Um and there were a number of people on it. Um, I believe Calvin Johnson's on it this year. Um, it's starting to get into the years where I remember these guys playing, um, which is making me feel old slowly. But one of the people that was on it was Fred Taylor. He's the only running back on it. And Fred Taylor's been doing this podcast with Brandon Marshall, Shannon Crowder, Chad Johnson, Terrell Owens is on an episode. Um, and he's been very adamant about talking about himself as a Hall of Famer. And it's not something I thought about before because I don't necessarily think about the Hall of NFL Hall of Fame because it's so damn hard to get into. It's like whoever gets in, I'm happy for them. But if you don't, you don't. Um, but I wanted to play y'all a clip of him pretty much talking about being in the Hall of Fame. The wrong word. Yeah, that's the wrong word. All y'all believe y'all should be in the Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I know so, what it is. So you're the only one sitting here right now in the Hall of Fame. I ain't up yet, okay? But you've been out five years. I inducted myself. <laughs> and then him, and then him, like he he feels some type of way about the committee. Didn't I induct no, no, no. myself? We've been through this. No, I don't. Well, we've been I, through I never what? I said I was bitter. I don't I know, think anybody I, that was wrong. That was me. that was a wrong choice of words by me. But when you feel I, some when type I look of way. at when I look at the guys that are in there. At the point in which I retired, I, I retired 15th all time on the list. My numbers was better than 16 of the guys that was already currently in the Hall of Fame. What's the problem? Right. You look at the guys that are in the Hall of Fame from a defensive standpoint, Ray Lewis, Derrick Brooks, look at Ed Reed, look at Champ Bailey, look at all these other guys they're trying to put in the Hall of Fame that somehow make it to the finalist room. Look at John Lynch. These are the same dudes that I murked every Sunday. So what's the problem? I don't care. They can hear it. It's right here. They know what it is. <laughs> Every yeah. Sunday. See, so what, 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 what's, what's the problem? Come on, Fred. Here we go. You know what what show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for real. Okay. What, what, what's the problem? A little yeah. bitter. So a little no, bitter. I'm, I'm not bitter. It, it might be sweet, I, but, yeah, but, but it ain't but, bitter. But I, I say that. You I use me? the wrong words, but this is this. We can talk about whatever we want to talk about. You felt like the process was wrong. You feel like the process is wrong. He feel like we don't need validation from the. <laughs> Christians. When it came to T.O., I think the process, he was first, first ballot was written all over the sheet. 
I told you. Listen, you know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question. Written. Before you say anything, who does the voting? Media. Answer the question. Football writers. Who does the voting? Writers. The media, right. not the players. Is it the people we played against? No. Is mm. it the coaches that had to stop us on Sunday? No. Nah. So who in the f is validating the people doing the voting, actually voting who's allowed to in the goddamn hall? So, so wait, the question, the question, the question, question, question. So are you a Hall of Famer? Should you be in the Hall of Famer? Didn't I induct myself? <laughs> did I induct myself you or did. not? Answer you the did. question. You did. Answer the question. Yes. Wait, wait, yes. don't say nothing. Let me finish. <laughs> why did I induct myself? Because I don't want to play what? No, I. Why? why let me answer the question. Let me answer, let me answer the question. Because I don't want to play what? Because you. Because you. No. It was a celebration. Don't do that. You inducted. Don't your... do that. Because I don't. It starts with a P. I don't want to be politics, a I don't want to play. I don't want to play politics. If I wanted to, I would have been a politician. Bitch. <laughs> Okay. So it wasn't for yeah. the, the, the cameras, it wasn't for ESPN, no, Ochan, no, 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 no. another celebration. What did I tell you? When I caught that touchdown against the Ravens Monday or Sunday night, I had just crossed the 10,000 mark. And for me, I felt I was worthy of the Hall of Fame without having to play politics with the yeah. motherfucker. Hall of Famer, you in there, you in that committee. I don't know what y'all be doing. No, I'm not in the committee. Is he a Hall of Famer? It, I think it's Is like, he a Hall of Famer? Why are you asking him? Because I'm, he's in there. I'm better than that man. <laughs> there we go. That's not it. That's not even tape worthy. Don't even waste y'all tape on that conversation. But that was pretty. Okay, man. <laughs> it was a lot said there. Um, I guess the question I wanted to ask y'all is not so much Fred Taylor is a Hall of Famer because I think we all agree that that's a very iffy case of putting him in the Hall of Fame. Like, if we're going to do that, but I d did want to ask y'all, do y'all think it's too, is there ever a point where it's too difficult to get into, I guess I would, this would go for the NFL and then baseball, because I think basketball, you kind of can get in if you've had a decent career or you've contributed something to the career. But football and baseball is kind of a higher standard. Do y'all think it's ever going to get to a point where it's too difficult to get into the Hall of Fame? Um, I don't think so, but I understand where Fred Taylor's coming from, but the only problem I have with his statements are, I think sometimes we do this thing where, and this happens in basketball a whole bunch, it's like we elevate ourselves or we elevate or they elevate themselves based on what era they played in. Mm. It's like, like I heard the call out of John Lynch. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. Like, oh, no, I played against that dude, and, like, I was better than him on some Sundays. So maybe I should be in the Hall of Fame without understanding, like, it's the totality of your career. Um, which I, I get what he's saying. He's 15th all-time on the list of total yards uh, or rushing yards, and he's 17th now. So I kind of get where he understands where he, he thinks he's a Hall of Famer, and I think he should think he's a Hall of Famer. But sometimes we elevate ourselves, like, um, and elevate other dudes that we played or that they played against. And it's like, yeah, my era was the best because I was in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I think that's kind of what's going on. And I understand the racial aspect of what he's saying, of what uh, Ocho was saying, for sure. Um, you know, the media is largely white. And, you know, sometimes it seems like you're getting validation from white people. But there are also black people who vote on the, uh, the um, you know, the black media members that vote on the um, Hall of Fame. So, you know, uh, I don't think it's totally, I think some of that is problematic, but 
Um, I understand what he's saying. Yeah, I I get what Fred's saying. And honestly, when it comes to the Hall of Fame NFL-wise, I think they've made enough of a door to where even if your numbers aren't the greatest, you still have a shot. Like Eli Manning, number-wise, is not the greatest quarterback of all time. But let's be honest, because of the Super Bowls, who we beat and his name, there's a good shot he's getting in. Like, also, like, I just feel like with the NFL, it's a lot easier than I think a lot of people are making it out to be. Like, if you have a decent case, there's a good shot you've got a chance. MLB is a bit different, though. MLB, like, one thing could mess up your entire career for MLB. Like, we've seen that with Barry Bonds and how long it's sort of taken him to get in. Like, I, I think with football, it's a lot harder. But I think still having that sort of requirement of, okay, you have to be a certain level or we're evaluating on this is how you keep like people like Julian Edelman from getting it. Yeah. yeah. I've also, I also think this though, the people who are in the hall of fame, that take, take the hall of fame very seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Chris Carter, like all them dudes that are like in the hall of fame, they go, they go to all the inductions, they do all the activities and stuff. They take it very seriously. And I think that is definitely something that shouldn't be um shouldn't be taken lightly, even with Ocho saying like I inducted myself, like we don't need validation. A lot of those people, they don't necessarily need the validation because I don't think so. But you know, um you know, they take it very seriously. So I, I think, yeah, I understand where Ocho's coming from, but I don't I don't think that should be taken like too much I don't I you know what I'm saying um but also also is, is this first this is Fred Taylor's first time on the ballot I don't believe so let me look that up because I know he played 13 years but I think he's been retired for a, he's been retired for a minute okay okay um I I don't you know I, I should keep track more of some but I mean I remember, uh, you know, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. I mean, it took him a long time to get in the ballot. He's like the best. All, uh, I think he's the best tight end all time. Even though I'm a Chiefs fan, but he know, he he retired in 2010, so he's probably been on it. I don't know if this is the first time he's been on the sem. I think it's the first time he's been on the semifinalist list. Oh, okay then. Okay then. That's fair. Um. But now, I, I, you know, just example, like I heard somebody say the other day, like I think Janet said that Travis Kelsey was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just what it is because certain positions, you know, don't don't get in the Hall of Fame like that. But Travis Kelsey should be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, I think maybe it's not too hard, but it's hard to get in on the first ballot. I will say that. Uh, but maybe it should be, you know. So that's all I'm saying. I so the hard thing was like going back to I guess the youth football stuff. Like for me, I grew up wanting to be a running back, and like for me, like the people I looked at growing up, I was a Terrell Davis fan. That's how I became a Broncos fan. But after that. I enjoyed Clinton Portis, but my favorite player probably in the league was Fred Taylor and then Maurice Jones-Drew. So, like, I, I love Fred Taylor as a football player. I just don't 
it's not someone that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. It's just like I feel like there's a line, and he's on it, but there are people ahead of him. Like we talked, like Sean yeah. Alexander should probably be in there if he's gonna get in there. Like there's some other guys I could think of that maybe the numbers aren't there, but like I I, I watch them play, and it's a little bit different. Like I I can understand like for. Like, there's going to be this discussion in a couple of years with um, Marshawn Lynch. And I know for a fact Marshawn Lynch probably doesn't care about getting in the Hall of Fame. But I saw that guy play. And I have a hard time naming too many running backs that had an impact on a single game or a moment or just the NFL. And I think that's one of the things that I do enjoy about the NBA more so than the NFL and the MLB. Because I think the NFL and the MLB, like you said, because they make it so hard for you to get in, you take it more seriously once you get in. For the NBA, it's a little bit easier. So I don't – like, it's still important. Like, you still want to get in the Hall of Fame, but I think it's it's not looked at in the same way. But one of the reasons why I like the NBA is because they do take impact into account, like, your contributions. And I think that's where, say, if M- Marshawn Lynch was going through the NBA process, he'd probably get in because his impact on – promoting the game indirectly or directly is undeniable and how he brought people to the game and being a figure in that way, in addition to his play, because he was a really good running back for a, for a good chunk of his career. But You I, say that, and I, I I agree with you to a certain degree, but Stephon Marbury is still outside of the Hall of Fame. Like, it's not all about impact sometimes. You know, we got – I mean, there are dudes who are – like, obviously, like, better than some of these dudes that are not in the Hall of Fame. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's what it, – it becomes personal at a point. I, I do agree. It becomes personal. Like, before that clip, I, I watched the, the whole episode, and I was – like, Ter- they asked Terrell Owen a couple of questions that I hadn't heard him answer before, or at least recently, like him. Like, he said he doesn't regret not going to the ceremony because he said he didn't – he knew it was personal. He didn't want to share that moment with people that had made it very clear that they don't like him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for mm-hmm. Stefan Marbury. Like, I don't want to say the whole NBA hates Stefan Marbury because that's not true, but there are definitely people that dislike him in large areas. So like, he's not, Stefan Marbury's remembered in New York. I don't know if he's necessarily loved in New York. And that's wild considering all that he's done and how his family's still in the New York area, but he's not loved in that same way because there are certain personal things. And to Gerald's point about like Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, and maybe it's because I saw him when I was younger, but he's still, to me, he's the, he's still the best baseball player I've ever seen in my life. And I can't, and this is with or without steroids. Yes. Steroids made him a better power hitter, but he was still, He's still Barry Bonds with or without steroids. And I think that's a weird case because I think the MLB has some fault in him why he took steroids. I'm not saying it wasn't a personal decision, but them not cracking down on it early enough, I think, was what led him to want to do it um, in his competitive nature. And also, he's, if you've read any stories about Barry Bonds, not a very likable person. Um, but my problem with baseball. I mean, we don't have to get too off topic with this, but my problem with baseball is all the managers that were managing the dudes that 
took steroids in the Hall of Fame. But somehow the dude, the dudes who were actually needed the, you know, need the steroids to get this money can't, you know, ain't, ain't in the Hall of Fame. Like Barry Bonds ain't in the Hall of Fame, but like Tony La Russa is in the Hall of Fame, which I ain't got no problem with Tony La Russa. He's a Hall of Fame manager, but he was managing people who were doing steroids. This is what it was. Isn't it Bud Selig uh, in all Bud Selig, though, but Bud Selig is what? Yeah, commissioner. Yeah, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because he oversaw it. He oversaw yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, but, yeah, I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the the whole the whole thing about, you know, who's in the Hall of Fame and who isn't, is something that slowly grows into like get off my lawn type thing. Like, like we always talk about the people they played against. Like, ah, oh, this dude was cold. It's like, yeah, but he wasn't a Hall of Famer. I don't, you know, you know that type of thing. And that happens in basketball and football and everybody. Like, oh yeah, um, I, I'm trying to give an example. Like, KG does this a lot, where he'll talk about, like, ah, oh, somebody was cold. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, well, we played with him or whatever. And they'd be like, uh, was that dude cold? Or was he just, he just played with y'all, you know? But sometimes people elevate stuff based on, like, their era and stuff like that. Yeah, it's personal experience. Like, I also think it's, like, partially, they see these guys in a lot of different facets. So it could be in practice, it could be, and somebody could look great in practice and they could look like a wonderful player. And then you, we only get to see them on the court and that's when it matters. So like they're probably going off it on like a whole different, just seeing them every day in what they do. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. For sure. Oh, but yeah. I, yeah. I, I just think Fred Taylor is definitely in his right, you know, to think he's a Hall of Fame player. Like, I mean, I hope I hope he would think so. But there's a lot of dudes who just on that line, like Donovan McNabb is probably not going to get in. Like, I mean, but he was a problem, okay? We, I mean, we are, we just, you know, we, we can't, you know, deny that, you know, but that type of thing. All right. Uh, I don't want to want to spend too much time on that, but I I did think that was interesting just because we we because NFL players and baseball players are so worried about offending the people that they're voting for that are voting on their Hall of Fame eligibility, they don't want to speak out like that until after the fact. So I just thought that was that was cool. I also thought it was just it's it's funny hearing Chad Johnson talk about. Inducting himself into all of Fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Chad. That's Chad, though. Um, but elsewhere in the NFL, I guess uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I'm not sure if Josh Gordon's going to be with the Seattle Seahawks, but he was reinstated for another two weeks. For the last two weeks of the season, from a football. There's two standpoints. There's a football standpoint 
in a personal standpoint. I think the personal standpoint is just we hope that he's well. I guess that's at the at this point. But at a at a football standpoint, do you? We're starting to see this with Des Bryant, and I think it's a little bit different because the Ravens need him. Um, but we're starting to see Antonio Brown was out for a year. Des Bryant was out, and they're all out for different reasons. But they were all very – they were all kind of clustered together because they were really good at a – together at the same point in time. I kind of want to ask you, like, do y'all think it's – is it is it beneficial for teams to start bringing in where we are with COVID to start bringing in people that we wouldn't necessarily think about? And I know I'm not talking about Colin Kaepernick. That's that's over and done with at this point. Um, but like, should NFL teams with the COVID problem that we're having right now should they start looking to people that may be on the fringes, like a like a Johnny Manziel, like a Josh Gordon? Like, do we have to start looking at these? These guys, like I know um, Cardell Jones, shout out to Cardell Jones. Uh, like he's he's starting to get looks for an NFL roster that he probably wouldn't gotten looked at before. Um, but do y'all think it's, it's time that with the way COVID is going, that we need to start looking towards outside people to start filling these rosters so we can get these games played? I mean, honestly, you might as well pick Cup Kaepernick if you're thinking about Manziel. I mean, God dang, Manziel was not good when he was there. Uh, but, I mean, obviously they're only really starting to get into this groove because it's around playoff time and the stuff you can't fix, you can't make a trade or any type of thing. So it's like, all right, what's the nice little Band-Aid we could slap on it? That was the Bucks fix for the injury problem. All right, Mike Evans is hurt. Godwin's missed half the games. Let's throw A.B. out here. Uh it depends. And honestly, on the Josh Gordon thing, like I know as a person who had Josh Gordon on like one of his favorite teams, the Patriots, like I wish him nothing but the best. I also think the best for him isn't football. Like it seems like he kind of slips because of, you know, everything that football brings with it. And I kind of wish he would have like rehabbed and gotten better and just like took a break from football for a little bit before coming back. Like, Maybe that's just me, but I feel like with Josh Gordon, a lot more of that could have just been avoided without him trying to go again. But again, I could be wrong on that one. My only argument to that is like how how houses gonna make money, you know? Because I understand like that, you know, that type of thing. I mean, yeah, the pressures of football might get to him and help him relapse, but it's also like just because you're an addict doesn't mean you don't have a right to work. So that's what I've always hated about the Josh Gordon situation. People act like, you know, just because the NFL makes a lot of money, he didn't have a right to work. And it was like, oh, that's what NFL is. It's, it's a job, you know. So um, that's how I feel about that one. But also, you know, seeing seeing outside people come in, I think that's a good thing. I think a lot of people are getting second chances that they wouldn't normally get, and I think that's good. Because I don't think Des Bryant should have been outside the league for three years. I just think they, you know, Dallas wasn't trying to pay him that money, which didn't make much sense to me. But, you know, you know, we try to put where people are, you know, 
three years out, we're like, oh, well, yeah, he didn't deserve that money anyway. But, I mean, if he got the money when he was supposed to, he probably would have been a productive player. So that's how I feel about that one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's a tricky situation because, like, like, I see both sides of what you and Gerald are saying because it's like, on one side, I don't know if football is the best thing for him because every time it seems like he gets back into – the NFL, it feels like he slips, but I don't know if he's slipping because he's in the NFL or just because that's just the ups and downs of dealing with addiction. But at the same time, he has a right to work if he can maintain that addiction. So like for me, like I want him around football. I don't know playing football. Like if he can get in, if they could put him some kind of coaching program, something to just get him started in the groove of things, I think that's that would be best. But I also think the NFL is taking this relatively seriously. Like in terms of how they've handled a lot of different players, I don't know if this is a, they've handled this probably better than they've handled a lot of different situations. So like, I would say, I hope, I hope he's good and I want him around football. I just, I'm worried, man, because I, I, I trust the NFL, and I feel weird saying I trust the NFL on anything. But they put him through a, the ringer in terms of having to get back onto the field. So I feel like if they're reinstating him, it's because he's had he's worked his way back. Um, but other than that, the NFL has been kind of – I mean, last week we saw the Chiefs get – I mean, win by a billion, or at least it felt like they won by a billion. They only won by three, but it felt like they got blown out. Like they were blowing the the Bucks out, which is furthers my agenda that the Bucks aren't going to make the playoffs, even though they probably will. Uh, but there's that. You got the Ravens and the Steelers. Mike Tylen calling the Steelers a JV team, which I feel like a little bit far but I also don't think they're the best team in the division. I mean, the conference. Uh, you also have the Raiders getting beat by a billion. So, like, what did y'all take from this week in terms of the NFL? Uh, just, like, also my Broncos played without a quarterback. I watched that for four quarters. What do y'all take from this week in the NFL? Uh, well, number one, I still have no idea what to feel about the Patriots. They are possibly the most inconsistent team in the league. Like, sometimes the defense good, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes the offense good, sometimes it sucks. It, I'm not trying to predict a Patriot game ever for the rest of the season. Uh, secondly, look, I know Carson Wentz is not the main problem. So let me get that out of the way when I make this diatribe. Would it kill y'all to give Jalen Hurts a drive? Like, I know I, he is statistically the worst QB in the league. I'm not asking for a game. Just give him one drive. He completes a seven-yard pass. You throw wins right back out there. He gets sacked. Like, I'm just – give him something. Like, it's really getting ridiculous at this point. Because you can't no longer say it's like, oh, well, we want to win our division. Wentz is the best shot. No. Statistically, he's the worst shot. He leads the league in interceptions and in – fumbles like there's no reason to keep throwing Wentz out there other than okay we need to make this paycheck look like it matters like it's I don't know I don't know I mean 
Tom Brady got 11 interceptions. I mean, he only has what? What does he have? 13 interceptions? A lot. That's not. That's not. That's not a whole bunch. Uh, I mean, it's more than you would want, but you know, in this day and age, you're not gonna throw like 30 interceptions unless you're Jameis. So, I mean, I think given given Jalen Hurts a shot, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I really don't know about that. I don't think, I don't think Jalen Hurts is ready at that point. I mean, I understand you got to see what you have, but like Carson Wentz, if you're gonna trade Carson Wentz, then yeah, I guess, but. Is is Jalen Hurts the answer? I don't think so. I mean, and I'm all for the black quarterback. I'm all for that. But I, I don't know what about Jalen Hurts suggests is going to be any different. You know, um, Carson Wentz just is asked to do a lot. You know, we we. It's funny how we understand that about Joe Burrow, but like Carson Wentz somehow is just bad. And it's like Carson Wentz is being asked to do a lot. Like Doug Peterson is not that creative and I I mean and I, I I like Doug Peterson. I think, you know, obviously you won a Super Bowl, I think that's what that is, but it's just one of those years, I think. And, you know, I don't think you should make rash decisions off this year. It's it's a it's a one off. Like I, I really feel that way about like the COVID season. So I mean I think you should be able to see what's going on. Maybe halfway through next year you you see what's going on and you know like he if his team was better, the, the the record would be better. Like Tom Brady has thrown eleven picks, like, but they're still seven and six, right? So it's like, I mean, it just depends. They haven't really drafted well. They pass on Justin Jefferson. I don't, you know, I, a lot of that stuff is like organization wise. I you know, so. I mean, okay, I'll give you. You're right. Tom Brady has thrown eleven picks. And QBR-wise, I think he's slightly above Carson Wentz with 69 to Wentz's 58. But the problem that people are overlooking is, though, Tom Brady has thrown 28 touchdowns, fourth in the league. 3,300 yards, second in the league. Carson Wentz has thrown 16 touchdowns to his 15 interceptions. He's like one touchdown over. Like I, And the records, obviously, you know, I think that's more team-wise, so I'm not going to bring that up. But I'm just like – I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is the answer, and I'm not saying you have to start him the entirety of the season, but at least give him a shot because statistically, can he really do worse than Wentz right now? Like, it, I don't think it's possible for you to put him in for a drive and he just looks absolutely horrendous just like Wentz. I think you'll at least see, yes, he's not that good, but if he's an improvement, you have to at least go with the better improvement. But I have to say, though, like, at Oklahoma – Jalen Hurts was throwing the wide open people, yeah. you know. I, and the Alabama, them were, yeah. That 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 uh, those um, Eagles receivers are not going to be wide open. That that's just what it is. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not saying he should never get on the field. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if, you know, we, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe this should hush all the noise about Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, but I don't. I don't even think Carson Wentz is that bad. I'm gonna be real. I just, I just think it's one of those years you have a quarterback. Sometimes, especially a high level draft pick, has one of those years. Like Jared Goff, you know, before uh, Sean McVay got there, just wasn't that great. 
you know. So I I don't know. Um, if you're gonna give and people trying to, you know, people trying to tell me about the contract, it's like Jared Goff was getting that money, so I don't see why Carson Wentz wouldn't get that money too. Everybody from that draft class got paid, so I don't I don't see why Carson Wentz wouldn't have gotten that money. So yeah, I mean yeah. I don't I don't disagree with you. I think when he got the money he should have, like coming off of an MVP caliber season and then I think the season after that, he didn't have amazing stats, but when you looked at who he was around against and the fact that he still was able to get into the playoffs, like I get it. I'm not denying that. I just feel like, you know, we talk about talked about Donovan McNabb earlier. They didn't hesitate to bench him in the same situation. Like it it's a little weird to me that they don't even like think like, okay, Let's at least, like, see for a drive what it looks like. Like, I'm not asking for a full game. Just, like, one solid drive, see how we go, move on from there. Like, it's – I don't like I'm that. Gonna, I'm sorry. I just wanted to push back on that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, one, it's a different coach. Uh, yeah, so Andy Reid had Michael Vick. <laughs> you know, Andy Reid signed Michael Vick for a reason and was trying to look at ways to get Michael Vick on the field. So, you know, as much as I like Andy and, you know, I'm a fan of his or whatever, he, he kind of did Donovan and that kind of grimy <laughs> a little bit. But also, you know, he had Michael Vick. I'm not saying it's not similar. And I'm not saying, like, the Philadelphia fans or, like, Philadelphia, you know, organization is – it treated Donovan McNabb like the way they should have. But I will say this, like they had Michael Vick in the, in backing up and then Michael Vick ended up having like an MVP season. So it was like, uh, okay, that's a little bit different. Um, but I understand what you're saying with Carson Wentz and like how they treat him versus Donovan McNabb. It is a little bit different. Um, I understand that, but I think there are a little bit different situations too. Yeah, I I get what y'all both of y'all are saying. I just, in terms of Carson Wentz, I do, I think it's a common. I think both things can be true. I can say he's regressed, and also mm. say that he's put in a really horrible situation. I just think we got our hopes up really high when we saw him start that season the way he did and the way he was playing, and I think that was the absolute best you're gonna get from Carson Wentz. And that shouldn't be what we grade him on because that's just not fair to him, especially with this team. But also with Jay Hurts, I'm all for black quarterbacks, which means I don't want to see him die behind that offensive line and not be able to pass to anybody. So I don't want to see him put in that situation. But they're kind of stuck with Carson Wentz because they gave him all of that money. They can't – it's going to be really difficult for them to move that contract. But then again, there's always NFL coaches around – the league that are like, I can fix them. I can work with them. And in this case, I might, I'd believe that because I believe somebody would, was going to take Josh Rosen and going to make him into a better quarterback. And that never happened. So I'm more than willing to believe that someone can do that with Carson Wentz. But I, I just feel at least they have a quarterback. I watched four quarters with a team that didn't have a quarterback. And I want my but as far as um, just going into college football, 
not too much happened again. Um, we saw Northwestern lose, but I think most people expected that to happen at some point during the season. Um, they're still a good football team. I don't want to take that away from them. I just don't think that they're a top – I think they were eighth in the country last week. I don't think they were that good. Um, as I said, I'm not going to talk about um, Cincinnati this week, uh, but we will. there is something going on with um, Coastal Carolina. Um, they were able to book a game with BYU because Liberty uh, had some COVID outbreaks, which I guess we'll get into next. But I kind of feel like this isn't going to do what people think it's going to do for BYU if they beat Coastal Carolina, which I personally, I don't think they are. They are a 10-point favorite. I don't think they're going to beat Coastal Carolina. Just because if I'm looking at it, Coastal Carolina is a lot better than people give them credit for. They beat a Louisiana team um, that is a lot better than people give it credit for because they beat that Iowa State team that is getting so much love in the college football rankings. But I, I think Coastal Carolina will win. But if BYU does win, I don't, I don't see them just working out if. For complete clarity, BYU's 13th in the college football ranking. Coastal Carolina's 18th. I just don't see what, even if they beat them by 50, is Coastal Carolina really what's going to boost your resume? Hmm. That's that's true. That makes sense. Uh, so what you're saying is I should hit that money line, though. We're not doing this again because last time we did this, I think it was Baylor in Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm uh, sorry. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far with it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm getting that itch again. I ain't been betting in weeks. So. Oh, boy. About to get yeah. on them parlays once more. <laughs> I'm trying to get on. Nah, I ain't doing no more parlays. <laughs> nah, no. This week is going to be LSU. I don't know. I think LSU's going to lose that game. I don't see them losing by 30. I just don't – I don't see that happening. Betting the number on LSU. Boy, that sounds like a good way to lose my money. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So LSU um, played Texas A&M last week, um, and I'm not going to use this time to rail against Texas A&M. But Texas A&M, either Texas A&M is not that good, which I believe to be true, or LSU was better than we, or they're getting better as the season goes on. Um, so one of those teams. You must not remember the, uh, and you're going to have to blank this out or whatever, the <laughs> roll tie, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> you must not remember that. That That's a 30, that's a 30 point whooping coming to Ed Ogeron. That's, uh, I'm not betting on the number with LSU. I'm sorry. Uh, but beyond beyond that, uh, the Knight Commission, uh, which I just learned what the Knight Commission was earlier today, um, it's a commission, obviously, that works with college football programs around the country, um, and it's different university presidents, athletic directors, so on and so forth. They are pushing or they are advising the FBS, so that's Division 1A, to split from the NCAA, which is something we've 
heard like eventually this is going to happen eventually this is going to happen but this is the first time a group that is respected in college sports is really pushing for this and i feel like it's coming at a really weird time because they're operating right now with complete autonomy the individual conferences are because they really don't have to worry about the ncaa they just answer directly to the college football playoff committee Mm. and i don't other than if they're not going to pay players i don't understand what the point of them disbanding from the ncaa is i mean they're gonna pay players if they ain't got to worry about ncaa violations i mean they're gonna pay players but yeah, I mean, I can understand why they would want to do that because um, they wouldn't have to worry about violations and stuff like that. And, um, it's not another person they have to, uh, you know, they wouldn't have to sh- sanction themselves and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, if they're not intending to pay players in the open, I don't see why they would want to do that. But, you know. Uh, maybe maybe you wouldn't have to, oh, but revenue sharing is based on schools, isn't it? Yeah, it's based on schools. Like each school gets a fair share of money. I guess for me, the big thing that I'm worried about would be, and I, I know this is not for like the average fan, but like I'm more so worried about the smaller schools, right? And how they get by, and also. I'd be interested to see how this affects conference alignment because certain BYU not about to be left out of this. I don't think Boise State's going to be left out of this. Some schools, some of the small schools are going to get chose and they're going to end up being a part of these bigger conferences, Um, which makes sense for football, which is the big money generator, but I don't want to watch Boise State basketball. Um, That's just me. But like, I'd be interested to see how this affects the product because they're already losing players as it is. And I'm not even sure, like, if I have to go, if I think the big thing that is missed in the conversation about what's happening to college sports, specifically with college basketball, is not necessarily, yes, they can get paid, but also it allows them to work full-time on basketball. And I don't know, like, even when you're in a college setting for college athletes, you still have to do a certain amount of work that is not necessarily Mm. pertaining to what your future career is. Because that's what college is supposed to be for. It's supposed to be preparing you for your career and also the social aspect of it. And I think they're going to get the social aspect of it if they go to college. That's for sure that that should happen. And that for a lot of players, that does happen. Um, at least in the semesters where they're not playing. Uh, but I do think it, there's, there's pros and cons of it because it, it can, can turn into the wild, wild west where all these schools are just basically doing their own thing. And I just, there, there's certain sports that we watch that we complain about that don't have bodies that oversee them. Number one is boxing. Boxing does not <laughs> Boxing does not have a body that oversees it. And we completely complain about it all the time. If you just have a whole bunch of conferences deciding what they're going to do, I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea also. But that's just, I don't necessarily trust the Big Ten commissioner and the SEC commissioner and the ACC to work together. 
because that just means it's going to be a big pissing contest and they're going to be fighting over who does what, who plays where, who's really the national championship, and so on and so forth. And I think ultimately we're going to get what we get now. It's just players are going to get paid, which I think is the best scenario. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think, huh, I mean, I just think that, you know, college football is a regional sport. So just being able to have a national champion is always going to be a problem because, you know, it's not really meant for that. <laughs> there are like a hundred something teams that play. But also, you know, it's not going to be if we just, I mean, they're answering to the football. Um, but they've always been like that, though. It's, it's either been the, uh, the BCS or the Bowl Coalition or uh, now the college football playoff. So, you know, the NCAA doesn't, doesn't give them a champion. So I, I, I understand where you know, this might cause some confusion, but there's always been confusion. So I don't see it being that much different except for just being able to play players in ways that are, you know, different than the NCAA. And this might force the NCAA to, you know, be better about how they treat players and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, any way to get players more empowerment, I'm all for it. I... I just feel like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Any way to get more player empowerment, I'm cool with it. And honestly, college college sports in general is just kind of – it's just tough to really campaign for them right now. It really is. I, going off of that, like, I, there's one thing I wanted to wrap up with, and it's like a point I wanted to kind of walk back. I'm more in line – before when we talked about it, when the season was about to start, we were talking about should players – if players want to play, do we let them play? And initially, I was like, yeah, if they want to play, let them go play at their own risk. But now, I don't know if y'all looked at the numbers um, on December 2nd. December 2nd was the worst day of the pandemic yet. And I don't know how long we can keep doing this because one of the things that keep coming up, the Ohio State, most notably, is are they going to be able to play their games? I don't think Ohio State, this is me as Ohio State, I don't think they're getting into the playoff anymore. Not because I don't think they're one of the best four teams, but because I don't think they're going to be able to play in the Big Ten Championship because I have a strong feeling Michigan is going to flip them the middle finger next week and say, we're not playing and we're going to play five games. And ironically, we're going to get play, we would play Wisconsin in that scenario and Wisconsin would be ranked higher, or at least is ranked higher right now, than Northwestern, who'd play in the Big Ten Championship, which is weird enough. But going back to the point of the COVID, like on December 2nd, more than 2,800 people died, 195,000 people tested positive, and most importantly, more than 100,000 people were hospitalized for COVID-related illnesses. This is getting worse and we're talking about it less. We're only talking about it in sports is if somebody tests positive. Before we were talking about how do we do this safely, this, that, and the third, all the measures, this, now we're just going full steam and not 
adapting to the fact that this is getting a whole lot worse. And um, I'm probably forgetting the professor's name at this point. There's a professor at George Washington University that said, starting next week, we could start seeing, it could be a normal occurrence to see 3,000 people die each day. That is way up from where we were in March and April. And that doesn't even include the people that are going into the hospital. They think that they should be treated for COVID, but they really need to be treated for something else. And because they're being treated for COVID and not the other thing, they end up dying or getting injured as well. Those numbers are not even included. So I don't know how we finish this with the way that we're, with, at the rate that we're going. Cause I just, I just don't, it's not safe and they're not getting paid. And I understand they wanna play, but hell, I wanna go fly out to Jamaica. I wanna celebrate my birthday. I, I had my birthday this past. You don't think I wanted to celebrate my birthday? I've seen my mom once this year. I've seen my brother once since February. Like, I, I understand they want to do all these different things, but I'm sure there are people that want to go to their graduation this year. They're not going to have a real graduation. Like, I feel really bad for the kids that ended their sophomore year and came back for their junior year of college, and their second half of college is completely wiped out. Like, there's kids that are not going to know what it's like to have a junior or a senior year of college. I mean, of high school either. Like all those important moments that you remember having when you were 17, 18, or 21, 22, they're not gonna have any of that. So pardon me, but I don't think your football season is that important that it trumps somebody getting to walk across the stage and be the first in their family to get a diploma. I'm sorry, it doesn't. So I understand it brings in money for the different schools and that's important, but like, we gotta start switching some stuff up because this is, at the rate we're going, somebody, somebody won't really, really get hurt by this. But that's all I had to say. Um, I guess when we come back, we can talk about um, John Wall um, and James Harden. What's up y'all? Before we get to the next segment, I gotta do what I do every week for y'all, but just put you on to some of the dopest black-owned brands out there. And this week, I wanna put you on to a brand coming to you straight from Los Angeles, California. That's TYT and PYT Attire. So TYT Attire is your more men's or unisex clothing brand, and PYT Attire is more of your women's focused brand. They're brother and sister brands, if you will. So the reason I'm putting you on to them is because they've got some of the dopest unique t-shirts out there get you a kobe and nipsey t-shirt a marvel t-shirt you name it they've got it and if you want to you know get some bottoms you can get some sweatpants some joggers you know you're working from home it's getting cold outside you got the heat turned on you may got your blanket with you as you sit on the couch and do your work or you're near your fireplace but you still want to look somewhat presentable for those zoom meetings they've got some of the best streetwear and loungewear out there so make sure that you hit up at tyt underscore a-t-t-y-r-e or you can go to pyt attire which is at p-r-e-t-t-y 
Y U N G T H Y N G. And I said that as slow as possible so you can get all the letters in there, but we're also gonna put it on our Twitter account. Yes, we have a Twitter account, I'll explain at the end, but for now, just focus on some NBA talk that we got for you in the next segment, because I'll be back a little bit later. Peace. And we are back. Um, wrapping up, just getting into some basketball. Um, I guess the two big things that happened this week were Anthony Davis and LeBron James signing or re-signing with the Lakers, extending their stay there. Um, but also one thing that I don't want to say came by surprise because it had been floated out there before, but just the timing of it. Um, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Wizards for John Wall in a first-round pick. And my first question was, who the hell does this benefit like who is getting better from this? Like I'm like I guess it's the Rockets because they're gonna lose James Harden at some point. Um, and they John Wall, I guess, is the best thing you can get. So I guess you want to build around him. But then if I'm trying to trade Russell Westbrook, I wanna get I wanna get Bradley Beal back. Like <laughs> but I guess what were y'all? What was your first reaction when you saw that Russell Westbrook was being traded to the Wizards for John Wall? I mean, y'all already knew my initial reaction, which was, "Who in the heck does this help?" I <laughs> my first reaction was, "Why did this happen?" I don't think this helps anybody. Um, after digesting it a little bit, though, um, this isn't horrible for Washington. It just kind of puts them in that place where it's like. Okay, so they're not as good as, like, the top teams in the East, but they'll be in the playoffs. So it's – I get the trade for Washington. I don't love it. Uh, they got somebody who can he- actually initiate offense, which is good because Bradley Beal was the only person who did that last year. But, man, I I don't know because at first I thought it was just Houston wants to build around John Wall. And then reports came out that James Harden wanted this trade. And it just seems like James Harden is like trading point guards like it's new shoes. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. A strip club with is that is is that why he wanted it? Like, what is? Why would he want? Does he? I'm sorry, James. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not always fun working with your friend. That's that's what happens. You know, it's kind of sometimes it's hard working with your boy. And uh, I think he found that out the hard way. But uh, also, like, uh, in terms of the trade, I feel like Washington came out a winner. I understand you want to get off that contract. And then you kind of got the same type of contract because I think Russell's due $50 million at some point. Um, I, think, I think that's right. Um, but also, I think Russell Westbrook is – definitely more healthy than John Wall. <laughs> so uh, we that's pretty good. And also, I think Bradley Beal's game complements Russell Westbrook a lot because Bradley Beal is a good outside shooter, creates some space. And uh, so that's kind of that's where I'm looking at the trade as like maybe a win for Washington. And then we never know if he – I mean, 
I don't think he'll ever get back to 2017 form just because I think the free throw numbers are down. And I don't know with that athleticism, if you could just go crazy all that time. But you you know he's good for, you know, 27 and 8 a night, even though that 8 is a little bit, you know, interior passing. But, you know, he's good for 27 and 8 a night, especially at this pace that the league is at. Um, we're going to look at somebody like Russell Westbrook as somebody who can definitely be a number one option. Um, I, and I think that's not something you can look at as John Wall, even if he was coming back 100%. Because um, John Wall isn't better than Bradley Beal at this point. And I think Russell Westbrook is. So, um, yeah, I think that was the only market for him once once uh, Charlotte got LaMelo Ball um, and gave Gordon Hayward all that money. So that's kind of where what was going to have to do. It's similar to the Chris Paul trade in terms of those are the only contracts that will match up. So, yeah. I'm just tired about hearing about workouts. Like, that's just it. Like, I know everybody talking about John Wall looks amazing in workouts. Ben Simmons shoots threes in workouts. Andre Drummond, I saw make threes in workouts. Workouts should not be the requirement to this player is going to come back better. I'm sorry. It that's really how should. we got Hoodie Mellow. That is how we got Hoodie Mellow. Yeah, Hoodie Mellow, though, was cold, you know. It's hard to pass in that hoodie, though, but Melo not doing much passing anyway. But, you know, I, um, that's another thing. Like, Melo shouldn't have been out the league. But, you know, workouts definitely are short-sighted, and uh, we have to be cognizant of that. But I will um, say – Now, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I will say – the one thing that I was, I do think, now that y'all put it that I do think that in Washington, it can work on a basketball front. I just, in terms of, I think it's interesting to see, I don't know if y'all seen the different articles that have been written, the letter that John Wall wrote. John Wall's been out for two years at this point. Right. That city loves John Wall. Like coming in, I know Russell Westbrook had a special connection with Oklahoma City, but I hope he is ready to step into that because John Wall's connection with the Wizards wasn't great, but his connection with the city of Washington DC is I don't think it I don't think it gets enough light how much he He's done for that city, whether it be I know he I joke like me and like me and my friends in college we used to joke that he's a Rose Bar president because we'd see him there all the time. And we never went together, but we'd all see him separately. But I remember he he got flack, I think it was a year or two ago. Um actually it wasn't a year or two, it was a couple, it was a little bit while ago. He got a Wizards custom-made Rose Bar jersey, and he was selling them. And it was like, oh, he's spending too much time off the court, this, that, and the third. But really, the benefits of the jersey, the profits from the jersey, were going to breast cancer awareness research. Mm. Mother was suffering from breast cancer. Or with him, 
over the summer paying off rent during COVID for an entire apartment building. Or it was him a week ago, not even two weeks, a month ago, when he knew he was trying to get out of DC. Partnering up with my favorite restaurant in DC, Henry Soul Food Kitchen, and giving her a free a thousand free turkeys to people. Like John Wall, people have this perception, and y'all know because y'all y'all have been there, y'all have lived there. So it's like people have this perception mm-hmm. of outside of being in DC that it's all Capitol Hill, it's all politicians. When that could not be further from the truth, like whether it's going to Rose Bar, it's going to brunch, it's going to Cherry Blossoms, Zoo Lights, what everything is a community in DC. And John Wall, and that is, like I said, just to put it bluntly, it's really, really big shoes to fill. And he did a lot of really good work in DC. And you could say what he want about him in terms of his basketball, but the person that was in DC, that those are really, really big shoes to fill. And I don't know if anyone can ever, I don't say anyone can ever, but anyone in the near future is going to be able to fill those shoes. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's a good, that's a, that's a good way to put that. Uh, but outside of that, um, I said it before, like the Lakers, um, I, I don't want to talk about Bronny because let that boy do what he wants to do. If LeBron wants to sign a two-year contract and he may play with LeBron, great. Leave the boy, like leave him alone. Leave Sasha Obama alone. I want to see Sasha Obama TikToks on Twitter. Leave that little girl alone. I don't call her a little girl, but she's really 19. But still, leave her alone. Like leave these celebrity children alone. <laughs> but yeah. I, that's one way to put that, but the celebrity children don't want to be left alone when it comes to that bank, though. <laughs> so, oh, you can't have it both ways. Um, you think you think uh, you think Sasha or Malia or Bronny don't be pushing that? He'd be like, "Oh no, I'm LeBron's kid." What you think? I you think know. more so LeBron's kid than the Obama children because. Sasha just be putting up TikToks. Like she don't like she doesn't really do anything. Like she's not making money mm. off of being Obama. Mm, not yet. <laughs> I mean they older than they older than Bronny and they have they haven't done it yet. Mm, you know, but I mean Secret Service though, still follow them around. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know it's you know, they they got benefits to being these kids, you know, so but, yeah, we we should leave them alone and have them have basic respect. But you know, they, you know, if she want to get somewhere, she know. She's like, nah, I'm a I'm Obama's kid. What's up? She know what's up. I just, I'm, that's all I'm saying. This is an aside before getting back on topic. But I just I always wondered what it would be like. Cause I, I saw, there were pictures a couple years ago of Leo with uh, she was dating a guy at Harvard. I just always wonder what it's like to go home to Obama, not Obama the president, but Obama the dad. Obama the man? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a little different. Cause, her, uh, her, him, him and Michelle. Like, I don't... Nah. Obama, like, this masculine dude. Like, people trying to... Like, we, we've been listening to Republicans talk about Matt. He's, he's soft. And he's soft on this, soft on that. Like, nah, bro. Uh, like, Obama, like, 
like traditional. Like he, <laughs> you know, we, we talking about the dude who won't let it go with Michael Jordan. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but that is neither here nor there. Uh, the reason I brought up Bronny is because LeBron signed a two-year extension worth $86 million, Jesus Christ. And Anthony Davis, another another um, clutch client, brought home a five-year, $190 million contract. And that just means to me that Rich Paul is somewhere in Cabo on vacation, counting his money. Um, but in terms of... I guess, like, do y'all, does, am I wrong in considering, like, I guess, coming to the conclusion that LeBron's going to retire in Los Angeles? Uh, it depends. Uh, if it goes south, like, there's nothing, you know, he could ask for a trade. He can do whatever he wants, but I don't, I think he should, you know, but if it, you know, it depends on how Anthony Davis. I think he's gonna give Anthony Davis the keys to the kingdom, really. You know what he was trying to do with Kyrie, but um, so yeah, I think I think he might retire in L.A. and then we'll we'll see. You know, um, Anthony Davis take a bigger role on the court and off the court, stuff like that. So, um, so um, yeah, I, I think. You you might be right in uh, him retiring to L.A. Yeah, nah. I mean, it contract wise, it looks like it's all but certain he's retiring in L.A. But then again, a lot of people thought he was going to retire in Cleveland. Then Kyrie decided to bounce. So it's all going to depend on what the supporting cast and what management does from here on out to accommodate for LeBron and of course AD. I mean. Really, the only Laker that I'm, like, curious moving forward on what the heck's going to happen to him is Kyle Kuzma because, like, he was in a draft class where four, three of the other four people that put up 3,000 points in their career just got paid max money. Kuzma ain't getting max money in L.A. So I'm curious on what happens with him. And it's wild because he got off to such a great start. Like, there was all this talk about, oh, Kyle Kuzma – like those extra years at Washington State, they did it, they did them a good job. He's more mature. He's the seventh third. That all died once LeBron got there. That all went down the drain. And I, I really, I really, I really hope he gets together because I'm not sure if you saw. Um, there was this thing on Twitter going around like, who do you, what NBA player do you expect to make the biggest jump? And LeBron retweeted and he said, Kyle. Who? No, it's just like, <laughs> oh, you on the clock now. You are on the clock. That wasn't yeah. like, oh, that wasn't a vote of confidence. That is, you better get your shit together because if not, you will be on the first thing smoking out of here. I sent, you saw me, I sent all your friends out. I'll send you to. I mean, yeah, he was I doing mean, that in the bubble. Like when he was talking about, oh, well, we need Kyle Kuzma to be a third option. Kyle Kuzma's probably like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's. Kyle Kuzma better reach out to Kevin Love, but uh, but now I I think Kyle Kuzma should make the jump. Is he gonna be a twenty game per twenty a game per uh, twenty a game scorer again? No, I don't think so. But I think his you know his three point percentage should go up, and we should see what's going on. It's a different team. Um, he might get the ball a little bit more. Uh, 
you know, it was it was crazy because they were having him play five at the beginning. Now he's going to have to play three. Uh, so, or, you know, especially if LeBron's going to continue playing point guard. So that's, that's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. Um, they haven't played in the small five. And then, you know, the year before, Anthony Davis got there and Anthony Davis likes playing the four. So, you know, uh, him playing the three is going to be a little bit thing. Because, you, I mean, you got to be a playmaker, really, to be playing the three. And I don't know how much of a playmaker he is, but um, I, I can see him making the jump for sure. I mean, but do you also think it might be like he needs to be sort of maybe not the guy, but have a bigger role on another team? Like Victor Oladipo is like the prime example of this. He was on the team Westbrook. He was nowhere near the player he was when he was on Indiana. Like maybe it's just a situation where Kyle Kuzma can't really be the best self on the Lakers because of the talent they have. I don't think so. I, I don't think his game is that of a number one option. I don't think so. I can understand. I, I think he would have, like, he would score more if he was on the team by himself. But I don't know how far that team would go. Um, so I think we should just let it, let it, um, let it play out. And then I mean, they'll see if they extend him or something like that. Maybe give him a mid-level uh, deal. But I don't think he's a max player quite yet, uh, for sure. So we'll see. I I don't. I'm not really worried too much about Kyle Kuzma. I just think. You know, it's he'll progress, and I mean, the value for a second round pick, you know, for that much for what he's doing is really, you know, he's the best player. He's better than Lonzo, so you know, I think that much. But like to put him up there with Tatum and Ingram, and now you know, it's a little bit different. You can't quite do that quite yet. Um, I think that's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's weird that we're putting this kind of pressure. I guess my last thought would be like, it's weird putting that kind of pressure on a guy on a team that we all, we believe is probably the best on paper and should win a championship and not win it because of him and not lose it because of him. But yet he's, it feels like he's on the clock, which is weird. Um, but I guess you got to make – if they think they can get something for him, I guess you got to kind of – either got to make it work or not make it work. Uh, but I guess that kind of closes that. Um, I guess the last few things are just – as we get into, like, I guess different, like, smaller sports. Uh, NC State, um, a women's team, um, Lady Wolfpack, number, ranked number eighth in the country, ended South Carolina's. 29-game winning streak. Last night, they won by 11, I believe. Um, oh. Richmond, who's now in the top 25 on the men's side, beat on Kentucky. And I feel like Kentucky loses a game like this every year um, to a team. But I, I think this is a little bit different because Richmond's an A-10 school, so it's not like a, like a one A school that they lost to. But they did lose at home. Um, and then beyond that, um, Clarissa Shields, I don't even know how many division champions. We've talked about her before previously, um, but she signed a deal, um, mixed martial arts deal with the Professional Fight League. Um, mm -hmm. 
which will give her some time to like grow into the sport. Uh, but there's also, she could be participating in a $1 million tournament. So it could be some way for her to get some bread um, that she would not get in boxing. Uh, but don't you got to win to do that? You got to win, but it's the different offshoots Miss Martial Arts League are not as competitive as the MMA, and there's a way that she could. I could see her, like for her first fight, they're setting her up with a person that primarily, they're, they're probably going to set her up with somebody who likes to strike and doesn't want to do any ground type of game, which would just play into what she wants to do. Like, I, she's also, I think she's 24. So she's got time. Like, Holly Holm went into it later in life. Like, there's um, Amanda Serrano goes back and forth. Like, there's there's people that can set type, type of blueprint for her if she wants to go back. And if she wants to go back to boxing full-time at 30, ain't nothing wrong with that either. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Holly Holm was cold, though. Ooh. But also with um, Trey Wingo left ESPN last week, and then um, yesterday Dan Lebatard announced that he's leaving ESPN in January, which mm. has kind of been thrown out there a couple times, um, but I guess it finally came. Um, sh- he'll be fine, obviously, uh, whether he wants to do his own thing. But I do think it's kind of it's kind of sad that he's leaving, and also Poppy. Um, who's my favorite person on ESPN, watching Holly Questionable. Um, to see him leaving is kind of sad. But they are keeping Holly Questionable. So I don't know if that will be a nut, the next stop for Bomani Jones or Mina Kimes or Katie Nolan, so one of them leading that show. I would probably be Bomani Jones because they haven't really found another place for him. And Katie Nolan has her own show, and so does Mina Kimes. But... Right. I forgot Katie even had a show. I'm gonna be honest with you. Hey, nah, she be she getting that bank. Don't play. Katie Nolan, what's she? She like three million a year or something like that. I think I saw that. She getting that bread, but yeah. She getting that bread. Don't play. Uh, but I guess the last thing, um, Errol Spence is fighting, coming back to the um, ring after a 14 month layoff. Um. <laughs> I'm not sure if either one, if y'all both saw the um, clip of his car accident. Um, I thought about showing it, but I don't feel like that's something like we don't, we can picture it. Um, right. He flipped, like he crashed the car, went like, I want to say 20, 30 miles, 30 feet off the car, like out of the, like the front windshield. Um, mm. Seriously injured. Um, thank God it wasn't anything permanent. But the reason I brought it up is, like, as I told y'all yesterday, uh, for me, this is a story that I don't want to blame boxing again, but I'm sorry I'm going to blame boxing. is a story that should be promoted way more than it is because what he's doing after that car accident um, is frankly amazing. And I don't even say this as a cliche, but win or lose, he won. Um because to be able to get back into a boxing ring of all sports after what he went through, I can't imagine. Doing. Like, the only other comp we have for this is Vinny Pazienza, who you may know as the only judge who scored the fight for 
um, Mike, um, Roy Jones Jr. last week, but he <laughs> had a serious car accident after winning, uh, I think it was a junior middleweight title um, in the late 80s, and he had to wear a halo. And I know they don't really use halos like that anymore, but it's like a crown you wear over um, your head. They have to drill screws into your like your skull. It's this whole big thing. And they thought he may not be able to walk again. He not only walked again, but he also won a title after that. Um, so, and he also fought, he also fought Roy Jones Jr., which is part of the reason why he probably scored the fight for Roy Jones Jr., but that's the only comp we have to that. And if you want to see that, there's a movie on Netflix called Bleed for this that dramatizes that story, but he fought a lot of different people like Roberto Duran, Roger Mayweather Jr., so on and so forth, but I just feel like this should get more hype. He's going to win the fight. That's another thing. He's going to win the fight because Danny Garcia doesn't throw enough punches to win the fight, but Shout out to Eric Spence. Um, I guess going off of what we did last week, I'm not going to ask y'all to pick games because I feel like that is kind of a – it's just not as fun. Um, one thing I did want to share, ask y'all is – in terms of sports casting, because I thought about this with Dan Lebitard, because Dan Lebitard is a very polarizing figure. Um, I love Dan Lebitard, um, but I know there's people out there that don't like Dan Lebitard. Who is one person that when you see come onto the screen on a sports cast, or it could be a newscast, it could be any TV like talk show format that you just completely tune out, that you cannot watch? You're going to get me in trouble, man. <laughs> nah, you I, already know. I wish you would have said something like, who are the commentators that we like? Because I mean, we can I fuck with Gus Jackson. I fuck with Gus Johnson. I fuck with Gus Johnson. Oh, yeah. That dude cold. He cold in the booth, bro. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Down the sideline, oh yeah, I'll be like, oh, okay, this dude about to go, he yeah. about to go out of the way. Like I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, let me try to see who else, who else. I mean, I kind of fuck with Joey Tess, but like, I don't watch that much boxing. Mm. Uh, he be he be getting a little bit too hype for me, but he be all right. Uh, uh, Kevin Harlan is dope, you know for sure. For I don't sure. know why I thought you were going to say Kevin Hart for a second. I Kevin definitely Hart. thought you were going to say it. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Hart in the booth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Uh, he dope too, though. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, but that's, that's kind of who I like. And then, you know, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp, dope. Uncle Shay Shay. I appreciate I kind of – I really like – the dynamic that Ryan Clark and Dominique Foxworth have. Yeah. I, just, I, I enjoy watching them together. Obviously, I think we all listen to Bomani. I think that this, he's, he kind of does things from a different angle. Um, I also enjoy, I maybe buys Clinton Yates just because he was really nice to me when I met him. Um, <laughs> also, okay. 
Like, man took me up the stairs to the undefeated office and took me around and introduced me to everybody. I was so excited. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That is nice, yeah. No and slander. straight off the fact that he just saw me in the elevator, like, there are not too many black people in this office that I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, with, I, I appreciate him. Um, also, I, I really, maybe I'm biased because I'm a Yankees fan. I, I've always enjoyed Michael K. Um, what? I haven't, as an announcer, Ain't he the dude that does the Yankees win at the end of them? Yeah, he does. Ain't that the dude? Bruh, that dude. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> nah, we gonna stop you right there. <laughs> okay, time to wrap it up. I'm just not so sure. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, And also, go, taking it all the way around is Dan Levitard. Dan Levitard yeah. always kind of does, I don't think he gets enough credit as a journalist. The work that he does. Um, same mm. thing with Michael Smith. Mm. That whole thing with his and hers popped off. It felt like because Jamel Hill was the one tweeting at the president and going through all of that, she got the priority of attention. Also, because she's a black woman, and the way black women are treated in media is not great to say the least. So she went through mm. a lot. But also, like, it felt like in the background, it didn't feel like Michael Smith got his flowers in the same way because when you go down Michael Smith's resume name too many people that are touching you especially at the age that he's doing these things oh, I think for sure he started covering the Patriots when he was like 23 like that's wild to think that that you get that kind of opportunity and then just take it from there but yes yeah, I guess that kind of wraps it up um so um, just ending ending here. Um, I want to shout out uh, if you if you if you take the time to put Sasha Obama TikToks on Twitter, you need to find a hobby. If you think that you know how State's gonna get in the playoff because Michigan is gonna do the right thing, play them and get their asses kicked. I'm with you. Just don't think it's going to happen. And as always, if you left this podcast a smarter sports fan than when you started, you're welcome. Um, I'm Ryan. I'm here with James and Gerald. um, And this is the Put in the Group Chat podcast. We'll see you again next week. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Wear your mask. And if you're in Georgia, remember to go register to vote. Peace out. How you gonna tell people to register to vote after the election? I was gonna say. No, for the, um, you the, said, did you say in Georgia? Yeah, I said in Georgia. Oh, okay, my bad. Okay, I only heard that one. Okay, okay, okay. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan, and I want to thank you once again for listening to Put It in the Group Chat podcast. That is episode number eight. I do want to apologize for a little bit of the sound issues. If you heard like a little crackling sound um, when I spoke, we're still kind of getting used to recording, or at least I am in my new space and getting everything down pat. So I do apologize for that. We will have that or I will have that fixed up for next week. But I do want to say, like I said before, thank you for um, just supporting us and just being there for us. 
like I promised in the mid-break, I did want to share some good news with y'all. Um, we do have a Twitter account that we will be rolling out tomorrow. So we'll start tweeting from there tomorrow. It will be um, the first letter of every word in the name of the podcast. So P-I-I-T-G-C pod. That's P-I-I-T-G-C pod. So put it in the group chat pod or you can just search put it in the group chat on Twitter. We'll be tweeting out clips. Um, tomorrow we'll also be rolling out some video on our YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. We just got a lot of going on. You know, we're really, really just trying to push this podcast forward. So tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. Tell your mom about it. Anybody you can tell about it that loves sports and enjoys just having casual conversations about sports. Like we said, we're an irresponsible, responsible podcast about sports. And we just try to make you a little bit smarter as a sports fan if we can do that. Uh, so thanks again, and we'll be back next week for episode nine. A lot's going on this week, so we'll have a lot to talk about. Peace, and have a great weekend.